morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from a top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got the italian stallion mr johnny crypto mario also known as the node defender is joining us And it's Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, so we got Jenna X joining the show, and I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the SEC is under scrutiny for how they address the Coinbase offering, allegedly telling the company to delist every token besides Bitcoin. Twitter is gearing up to add crypto payments to their platform, while Uber's CEO hits at their platform adding Twitter, or sorry, adding crypto by the end of the month. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already upon us, We break down the details, showing our community how this digital revolution is creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I am back at home base this morning. So for our listeners, this is going to be a great show. But before we get into it, how you feel, my friend? And thank you for being here. Well, Abs, I'm feeling like kind of sad and kind of happy. It's been a sweet moment because every you guys are all gone. You know that week, but let me tell you something. You want to talk about a fast week? That week flew by so damn fast. Why can't work weeks go by that fast? You know what I mean? But it was awesome to have you guys here. I miss you guys. Uh, but I am somewhat happy because it's still hot out today, and we will be hitting the boat later this afternoon. But let me start like I always do. Good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there who show up every single day to watch our show. I love you guys and appreciate you guys. And I'm so excited today that we have both Mario and Jenna here looking awesome. Great to see you guys. Mario, I got to make the cliche joke. I'm not going to make you defend nodes this morning, but I'm very excited to have you on the show. How you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. I'm feeling great, man. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to everybody here. Abs, Johnny, and Jenna. Super excited to be back on Good Morning Crypto. It was indeed a very, uh, very great weekend. We had a lot of fun. We, uh, we got to catch up, which was amazing, but I'm super happy to be back. And Jenna, as you can see, Gary Gensler is getting impatient in the live chat, saying he's got companies to sue. Let's get this show on the road. But before we do that, how are you feeling, Jenna? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling amazing. I love seeing all the videos from you guys from this weekend. It looked like so much fun. Oh my gosh, that tubing looks amazing. I'm kind of sad that I didn't get an invitation. So, you know, maybe Johnny next time. That was a wink. I I just realized I can't really wink. Abs, (laughs) Abs, I'm going to need a bigger lake house. But Jenna, yes, we'll get you out here too. But careful what you wish for, because if you watch those videos, you would have seen body parts flying everywhere from the man who Abs likes to call the Mad Viking, because he was on a tear this weekend, right, Abs? You're spot on, guys. And we got 171 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And for our listeners, Johnny, I took off my neck brace after the Mad Viking this weekend. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do, by checking out our Good Morning Crypto (laughs) Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We're getting to 5,000 very quick here. When we look at the Bitcoin fear and greed index, we're sitting in neutral Johnny Crypto at a 53. When we check out some of the daily bubbles, it is red across the board. And with the SEC going after Hex token this week, could be see more of this in the future. When we look at our beautiful Merlin's market page, we are sitting at 1.16 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 28,800. Ethereum, 1,800. And XRP sitting at 69 cents. And guys, This is going to be an exciting episode for a couple of reasons, but this is a video I wanted to share with you last week, and we couldn't get it loaded up, 
So we're going to talk about this at the beginning of the episode. Gary Gensler has yet to admit that the SEC lost their case against Ripple when Judge Torres made the statement that XRP is not an unregistered security. But this is becoming more nuanced than we could have imagined. Let's break it down very simply. XRP is not a security, but there are certain situations where it can be offered as so. And that's what Gary Gensler is saying right here. So I'm going to play this brief clip and go back to the group here. Here we go. To a different topic, which has gotten a lot of attention lately, crypto. Specifically, a ruling that was made in the Ripple case that XRP is only a security when sold to institutional investors, not so with retail investors. I know you've previously said you were disappointed by that ruling. The SEC has also said that it intends to seek review. So does that mean you are going to appeal it? Can you elaborate on your thoughts around that ruling? Kaylee, great question. But the commission, uh, I'm I'm one of five commissioners. Mm -hmm. The commission has not uh, uh, acted on that. And uh, uh, if the staff makes a recommendation, we'll we'll have a discussion of it and we'll take it up then. But I don't really have anything more on you for you for that. in the meantime, as we wait for this, what does it mean for your efforts around crypto, for your efforts to try to protect the consumer in these areas? Does it complicate it? Look, this field of crypto investing, uh, um, a lot of investors uh, should be aware it's not only a highly speculative asset class, it's also one that they currently should not assume that they're getting the protections of the securities laws, even though the securities laws apply to many of those tokens without prejudging anyone. But you as investors are not getting the full, fair, and truthful disclosure. Let me ask a broad question here, Johnny, and then we're going to get into Gary Gensler's response. We got 222 live listeners here. Love that number. Smash that like button. But what he said here is a little bit confusing for this reason. Not only did Gary Gensler basically state that he doesn't agree with the Ripple ruling and his investigation is still ongoing when it comes to that, but he also said that it doesn't really apply to other tokens. He's basically stating that uh, third-party exchanges have a green light but we're not getting investor protection. I lost my train of thought. I'm coming back to it now. He's focused on investor protection here, Johnny. But what we're seeing is that investors, they get hurt. The SEC comes in, they sue the agency that hurt them, but the investors get nothing in return. How is that even protecting the investor? I genuinely do not understand. Well, this is why I call him Gary Dantzler, because he danced all around that question and didn't, you know, he dances around every question he gets asked and doesn't answer anything. Um, And so I didn't think we would get get anything out of him. You know, the thing that's tricky about this whole ruling is people are, I think, looking at the ruling the way it was made. And they're saying, you know, that XRP is only a security when it's sold to an investor and not a security when it's sold to a retailer. And I actually don't think that's the correct interpretation. And I wish we had an attorney. Well, we're going to have to get Jeremy back on again or, or John Deaton or, or maybe Rispoli. Because uh, the, the, the reality is, I think the reason why we're hearing that investors are being protected but retailers aren't is because in the way it was sold to investors. It was sold to them from Ripple the company with a promise that they were going to do something that was going to have a future increase in price. That's the Howie test, and, and you're done. Game. Not over, sack, done, finished, it's over. Finito, you lose, okay? Um, but if Ripple had sold 
XRP to you and me as a retailer under the same premises, it would also be called a security. So I don't think it's that it's still a security only to investors and not to retailers. It's based on how it's actually positioned and sold. And that's where I think there's a lot of confusion. And so I would love to get, you know, Jeremy back on to kind of pose that question, because I think what you what he would say is that, yes, it depends on how it's done. And in this particular case, the fact that it was sold to investors under that premise, it got labeled a security. But when an exchange sells it to you, to me or Jenna, we're not buying it directly from Ripple. And secondly, we don't own a piece of Ripple. The company has no fiduciary responsibility to us like they do in a stock. So those are significant differences in why we really need regulation to get the real answers out. Jen, I want to get some thoughts from you as well. Obviously, the big news this week is that the Hex founder was sued by the SEC for using investor funds. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, because of the Ripple ruling, do you think the SEC is going to continue to go after crypto projects or does this set their narrative back? Oh, no, I, I think they're definitely going to keep going after cryptocurrency projects, but the, the big ones, right? They want the big money. Um, so I'm looking for those high market caps just because, you know, Ripple received their ruling and everything. I don't know why all these communities think that their token is off the hook, right? No. Um, in fact, they can go after any of these, any of these ones that they've mentioned in Coinbase and all these other lawsuits that they think are securities. They can still go after them. Yeah. In the secondary market. No, they're, they're not. They're still not exchanges and everything like that, but it all depends on how their presale was done. Any cryptocurrency project that has launched a presale or, you know, ICO, they need to definitely be aware that you could be under fire from the SEC. I don't know why they think that, oh, they're just safe. Like they're going to get this free pass or something. Absolutely not. And we've even heard Brad Garlinghouse say that, hey, 99 pre 9% cryptocurrencies will go away. And I do believe that. I think what's going to happen is they're going to make it so hard to be able to launch a project in the US. And I think that that's really where we'll see the regulation come in. And, you know, a lot of these ones that do have the really high market caps and have been around for a long time, they'll pay their fine, they'll settle with the SEC, and then they'll move it along. Yes, they were security, but now they're not a security. So that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely happy to jump into the Richard Hart whenever we talk about that. I definitely have some thoughts on that whole mess. Mario, the interesting narrative here going on with the SEC is that they're claiming they're protecting investors. But check out this latest survey out of Ripple as 97% of companies around the world that were surveyed believe that blockchain will enhance payments. And we're going to show our listeners a very interesting article later in the episode, how two thirds of the world's largest banks are already crypto friendly. 74% of the top 50 banks worldwide are already incorporating crypto assets. But unfortunately, many of those banks lie outside of the US and outside of China. So that could be a huge catalyst for this market. And we already got 280 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is what I wanted to show you, Mario. Breaking. Xcoins is included in the latest development version of X.com, which is formerly Twitter. As you can see, they plan on adding a coins tab here. And after seeing this news, I even went out and bought a little bit of Dogecoin. That is not financial advice, guys. But if Elon Musk is going to promote any currency on this network, I do believe it's going to be Doge. Mario, somebody who's in the technology space, what do you think? Because it's in the development, does that mean this is what's coming to Twitter soon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we know that Twitter is moving towards the direction of financial services, payments. And I think that we've had enough hints from uh, from Elon Musk that he does plan on integrating cryptocurrency. He's been an advocate for the space. He integrated Bitcoin with with uh, the ability to be able to use it to buy, uh, you know, a Tesla. 
he took it down, but I think that he still has the full intentions on bringing back cryptocurrency um, into the, into Tesla's platform. I think that he will definitely do it with Twitter. I can see that happening 100%. I don't blame you for going out and buying Dogecoin. Honestly, I've been feeling like I should be buying some Dogecoin. I'm not much of a meme coin fan. Oh, FOMO. FOMO. My hair in FOMO. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think right now this would classify as FOMO. I think it would be kind of a, a smart decision to pick up some Doge if you don't have some, because Doge has proven itself that um, although it started as a meme coin, it's it's gotten this adoption and, and it's being widely used at this point, especially if uh, Elon decides to bring it into X. And so I think it would be smart. Abs, I don't blame you, man, and I'll probably be doing the same. And Johnny, I did want to get some of your thoughts as well. Everyone who watches our show consistently knows 25 years in the engineering industry, a patent expert on Good Morning Crypto. But what do you think? Because they're adding the coins tab in the development phase, is that reason to believe we could see crypto on Twitter soon? Oh, yeah. There's no question about it that he's going to bring crypto to, to this. Not, not not because of the patents or anything, the other thing, but just knowing Elon. Not not that way. I don't know Elon. Okay. Just seeing how he hacks and how he's very technology, a, a, a strong technology advocate and also a cryptocurrency advocate. Well, you know, why Doge? <laughs> I don't know. Someday I wish somebody would just ask him, like, somebody who has the chance to interview Elon, please just say to him two words. Why Doge? You know, I just want to know why he went there. But I think nonetheless, he's definitely going to bring cryptocurrency to the forefront. Which one? Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be Doge or Sheep or something. But I also hope he's going to bring the real ones. I hope, you know, he'll take advantage and leverage something like XRP or you know, or some of the other cryptocurrencies that I think are more prominent or have better technologies or better use cases that can solve problems. But I absolutely feel that Elon will definitely be, you know, as part of his payment system, there'll be some version of cryptocurrency tied to it. Absolutely, Johnny Crypto. And we're seeing applications like Uber and Twitter jump into the crypto market. That's where the liquidity is going to come from, guys. During these bull runs, 90% of the money that comes in exits on the back end, but it's the speculative news that drives these markets. And we're about to show you a video of Jeremy Hogan. But before we do, this is Uber's CEO talking about how they plan to incorporate digital assets as soon as this year. I'm wondering if any of this has convinced you. Is there any chance of Uber accepting Bitcoin in the future? Are you having conversations about this internally? Like, could it happen someday? Uh, it definitely could. We're having conversations all the time. I think right now what we see with Bitcoin and some of the other cryptos that they are quite valuable as a store of value. The exchange mechanism is expensive. It's not great for the environment. As the exchange mechanism uh, becomes less expensive, becomes more environmentally friendly, I think you will see us lean into crypto a, a little bit more. So we're absolutely watching it. And if you say is Uber going to accept crypto in the future? Absolutely. At some point. This isn't the right point. You hear that, Gary Gensler? Absolutely. At some point, people will be paying for their Uber rides in crypto. And we're going to see this globally, Jenna, but I just wanted to get some brief comments from you. Would you spend your Uber, or sorry, would you spend your crypto on an Uber ride? Um, yeah, because I have a ton of XRP and XLM. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it doesn't bother me. I can, I just know how to get more. But this none of this surprised me. Uber, and I forget where I read this a long time ago, was actually an angel investor in Ripple. And also uh, Google was too. So, I mean, 
Hello, like writing's on the wall. So why wouldn't they get into crypto and everything like that? I think it just, it takes time. We have to have the regulations, everything in place. And you also have to think about, there has to be a way for everybody to be able to report. You know, um, I know that we have acquainting services and everything like that, but you know, the government wants to see where all of this is going. So these payments, everything has to be reported. So that's another factor. I think that takes a little bit of time. Guys, and this is something that many people have called a conspiracy, but we're going to bring some evidence for it today. Elon Musk has an XRP wallet. And before we get into it, show us some love, smash that like button, and let the algorithm pump this out to as many listeners as possible. Back in 2013, there were five wallets opened on the XRPL under separate names. Now, three of these names are Musk. One is Thiel and one is Andresen. So Andresen Horsewitz and Peter Thiel is a safe assumption here. When we scroll down to the bottom of the list, there's only one wallet that remains active from uh, the purchase that happened in 2013. That would be nearly 17 million XRP sitting in a wallet that is labeled Musk. So Johnny Crypto, as somebody who's very familiar with Elon Musk, as you just stated, what do you think? He created PayPal Mafia. I assume he knows what XRP is. Very safe to assume he would own a small amount like 17 million back in 2013. Well, so a couple of questions come to mind. I, I don't know what system you're talking about, what wallets. So typically for wallets, you don't have to KYC. So how do we know this is his wallet? Is it KYC? Is it really him? Is it some joker out there trolling? So that's the real question is if we can prove that it is his wallet. Well, I mean, then there you go. I mean, uh, if they, okay, so they've been confirmed. Yeah, if these things have been confirmed and it's his, I mean, no surprise that Musk is always usually involved in leading technology. So, and you know what? He's a huge X factor in, well, what better crypto to own than XRP if you're going to love the X letter, right? Spot on, Johnny. And we're about to show our listeners a video of Richard Hart responding to the SEC. But before we do, I want to get into this article right here. I'm sorry. I just thought to say my mind, you know what's interesting? You know how he's so huge on X, right? And he talks about everything. And if he does own that much XRP, why? And he's only talking about Doge and not XRP. Kind of tells you he's keeping it quiet for a reason. And that's usually a good thing. Spot on, Johnny. I completely agree. And I don't understand why somebody as smart as Elon would promote a currency like Doge. It doesn't have the fastest payment rates. It's a fork of Bitcoin. There's really nothing there from a technology (laughs) standpoint. So he said that he's supporting it because he believes in memes and he thinks it's funny. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I even believe that whole narrative, but I will really do want to read this article right here as two thirds of the world's largest banks are crypto friendly. And that's a much bigger number than we anticipated. Two thirds of the world's largest 30 global banks by assets under management support crypto trading through regulated exchanges. About 74% of the top 50 banks worldwide support crypto trading by connecting to regulated exchanges. This report listed, however, none of them support retail crypto trading or on-ramping from respective native platforms. Now, I want to pause it there before we get into the statistics here, Johnny. What is preventing these banks from just allowing Johnny Crypto to buy the, buy his crypto assets directly through their platform? Why would they even be incentivized to have you go through a Coinbase or Crypto.com? Uh, you know, maybe they're just not ready yet to fully utilize or take advantage of it. I think when they're ready to fully ramp up and spin the narrative, that will probably happen. So it's a good question. I, I don't that, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind for me of why that would actually that'd be great if, if Musk has an NDA with Ripple. It'd be interesting to know that. But uh I you know it's very fascinating, Abs, that you know, we know that the big banks early on were not crypto friendly, although there were some that were. Yeah, and why they're not allowing the direct on off ramps. I wonder if that's more of a regulatory thing, maybe, 
hard to say, right? We saw what happened when they tried it. A lot of them got crushed. A lot of them got shut down. So I wonder if that has something to do with it as well, Abs. And I really think it's investor protection. That was the answer I was looking for there. I don't think any of these banks want to put themselves, <laughs> what? In well, the they're not getting investor protection from Gary, that's for sure. But no, I do think that that's what I'm, that's kind of where I was headed is I think that it has something to do with the fact that there's too much, un- uh, you know, unclarity in there and they don't want to get bought in the crosshairs. That's what I'm wondering. There was an article circulating this week about Mark Yusko stating $30 trillion are what he's anticipating floods into crypto over the next five years. Well, here, here's where that money would really come from. Four of the top 50 banks were not crypto friendly and they were Chinese. Those four banks alone manage about $20 trillion worth of assets, which is 20% of total assets under management from global banks. Cryptocurrency trading and investing are still outlawed in mainland China, with Beijing pushing its own programmable CBDC. However, China could be warning that crypt- China could be warming up to crypto in Hong Kong, opening up and inviting large exchanges such as Coinbase to open in their city. I also want to remind our listeners that Ripple is currently working at a pilot Hong Kong where they're tokenizing real estate projects on the XRPL. So really interesting development there. The top 50 banks in the world manage a combined $90 trillion worth of assets in 2023. And the United States and China dominate that list with 19 of the top 50 banks in assets under management. Strict regulation, market volatility, and recent high-profile exchange failures like FTX have hindered the integration of crypto trading into these large banks. The last thing I want to read before I kick it to you, Jenna, is the research defined if a bank was crypto-friendly by whether they offered crypto trading or on-ramping services within the bank's native platform, or they had the ability to connect a bank's current account to a regulated crypto exchange. Simple, if you had a Bank of America account, they would consider it crypto-friendly if you could use that money to onload into Coinbase. So do you think we're going to see a day very soon where American banks start allowing investors to purchase crypto directly through their platforms, Jenna? Oi. Um, I mean, I, I am very, very certain that the banks would want to be able to get in on it and get a percentage of that because, yeah, I mean, banks loves, love fees. That's what keeps them in business. And obviously, if this is new, um, asset class is definitely, and, and the future of money, what they would want to get into now, the time frame on that. I have no freaking clue. I have no crystal ball. But in the future, I, I do believe. But I think it will be the ones that are, uh, you know, have regulation, the safe cryptocurrencies like you know your bitcoin i think litecoin's okay by the cftc um obviously xrp has regulations i think um xlm's probably okay but it's gonna be the big boys and of course the ones that they're going to use to um transfer their payments mario what do you think about surveys like this coming into effect as well faster payments council is now working with ripple to incorporate blockchain into their payment system because they know it can increase their product. But when we listen to people like Gary Gensler talk, he makes the crypto industry sound like it's all fraudulent and it's all nefarious activity. And this is the latest man they went after this week as Richard Hart, the founder of the Hex token, is being sued by the SEC for um, using investor funds and fraudulent allegations. Hart raised over a billion dollars across three different unregistered securities offerings and then used that money to buy personal goods. Well, he responded to the SEC yesterday, so here's that video, and then we're going to break it down. If any of you guys from the SEC are listening, and I hope you are, I want you to know from the deepest, deepest parts of your heart that I've saved a lot more people from being wrecked than you have. Because I did everything I could to prevent people from putting their money into BlockFi. Did you? I did everything I could to prevent people from putting their money into Celsius. Did you? 
I did everything I could to put people in charge of their own keys and get them to have self-custody. Did you do that? I called the top on the day. Did you? What have you done? So I break my balls to save people. I'm warning people about bad daps, fake airdrops, showing people constantly every single hack that happens, right? I hand out free coins out the yin-yang. I created free coins, give them to Bitcoin quarters. Now I'm creating free coins, giving them to Ethereum and every single ERC-20 holder. I'm the giving tree of crypto. I raised 27 million for charity. You know what the SEC did? The SEC uh, got paid $50 million by BlockFi pursuing them. And guess where the $50 million came from? It came right out of the money that would have been used to pay people now. And I want to, I'm going to pause this video and we're going to play the rest of it, guys. But this is what I was trying to get at at the beginning of the episode, Johnny. Where is the consumer protection? Just because the SEC sues this guy and takes money from him, it does nothing to me if I lost money in the process. Uh, Johnny, floor is yours. Now you're learning the game. That's exactly right. How is the, the question everybody should be asking, right? Is how is the SEC protecting people? Because of suing other people. Where, where is the real protection? The real protection is putting, exactly, Jenna, the real protection is putting things in place so this stuff can't happen in the first place. That's where the protection really comes from. Going out and say, oh, we sued this guy. Like, here's, a, here's great protection, right? They shut down Kraken. They shut down Nexo. They shut down all those places that were people were able to earn interest on their platforms, forced them to go to other places that don't have protections. Right. And now no, mute that thing. I can't. I'm talking right now. So I'll get in a second. So <clears throat> what happens now is you're forced to go elsewhere, other platforms that may not be as safer. You haven't done anything to really stop any of the nefarious stuff that's happening. And so where is the true protection? The real protection comes from. Yeah. Like SBF. Right. Look at what he did. What have they done to him? No, so the reality is what what has to happen here, Abs, is you need real regulation to be put in place, real rules, and then the SEC has to be willing to open the doors and let these companies come in and work with them and get, you know, we've heard Coinbase say it multiple times. We've heard Brad Garland say it multiple times. We've gone to the SEC. We want to work with them. We want to do things legitimately. We want to set this up so it's right. That's what they should be doing to help protect investors. Going after Richard Hart isn't going to save anybody. It just makes zero sense. But I'll tell you what it will do. It certainly will fill the pockets. And that's what I think ultimately is the end game of what they're trying to do. Well, and Jen, Jenna, when we talk about investor protection, this is a primary example of that. A meme coin worth $100 million at its peak on Coinbase's new base chain just rug pulled yesterday. And this thing went from $100 million to almost $0 in value in a single day. That's what Johnny Crypto was breaking down. If the SEC comes after the founders of this project and sues them, it does nothing for the people who lost money. And so how are they claiming that's investor protection? But I want to get your thoughts on Richard Hart, and then we can circle back to my question. Well, yeah, Abs, I, just to hit on that, that's why I was saying. I think that that's why they need to make, like I said earlier in the show, they need to make it harder to be able to create a token and go through all, you know, jump through the hoops that you need to. And then, hey, okay, cool. Now we can launch it. But it, exactly, that would prevent... I think a lot of this, but at the same point, it might be absolutely impossible to create a token after that. We have no idea what they'll come up with. I'm neutral on this whole Richard Hart thing um, because 
him as a person, I don't know him personally. Yes, the guy has a record. Yes, he has all different aliases. Yes, he was the spam king in the early 2000s. And I mean, but that that was the thing. Um, I know a lot of people wouldn't get into it because of his past and everything like that. But I also think it's wrong to root for someone to fail. I am not in this space to root for any cryptocurrency project to fail. I have a lot of friends in the Hex community and I, you know, for the purpose of their bags, I know what it's like. We all know what it's like to go through an SEC case and, you know, our cryptocurrencies didn't come anywhere close to reaching, you know, their all-time highs with XRP, like whenever they were going through all of their shit. So I know exactly what that's like. Um, but, you know, at the same point, he gave $27 million to charity. But And people are complaining that, hey, he spent all of this money, right? He's spending, you know, his people. Well, do we know that he's actually spending um, everyone's money that threw in for Pulse Chain that sacrificed? Where is the proof of that? Because as far as I'm concerned, Richard Hart made a lot of money in crypto already. He called the top on the day. So you can't tell me that he didn't have a lot of his own funds to already be spending. So we can't actually prove that. Now, a lot of the um, issues that I do have, like who holds the actual admin keys? I know there's none allegedly for Pulse Chain that makes everything immutable, but there is a lot of questions that I have regarding, you know, who holds the keys to the sacrifice wallet and everything like that. So there's just... Eh, a lot there, but for, I'm not rooting for Gensler. I'm just going to remain neutral on this, but I do think the timing of this was absolutely insane because the highest of stakes that premieres this weekend, that shit is going to be sold out. I'm going to it on Saturday. It's going to be a good time, but I can't wait to chat about all of this, but I do understand, you know, what the hexagons are going through. Just my two cents on it. Mario, I'm going to read a couple of brief details here and kick it right back to you, my friend. The SEC is alleging that Richard Hart and his projects Hex, Pulse Chain, and PulseX raised over $1 billion across three different unregistered securities offerings at the beginning of 2019. Halt also defrauded investors by using investor funds for personal goods. And for anybody who doesn't know who this guy is, he's famous for going into these famous stores like Gucci, like Louis Vuitton, and putting it on camera and walking out with so many bags he can't even carry them himself. So I do want to say he put a target on his own back. I mean, if you're making billions of dollars, the least you can do is be uh, be humble, I guess. But here's what I would say. Hart continually touted his investments as a pathway to grandiose wealth for investors. For example, he said that Hex was built to be the highest appreciating asset that has ever existed in the history of man. Although Hart claimed that these investments were for a vague purpose of supporting free speech, he did not disclose that he used millions of dollars of Pulse Chain investor funds to buy luxury goods for himself. So I'm going to assume they have some real evidence of that. I don't know if I should, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Hart had admitted himself that the success of these endeavors were completely dependent on his efforts. Hart pumped the Hex capacity for an investment game, claiming that Hex.com is designed to surpass ETH, which did a 10,000 X in price over just a two and a half year period. On December 2nd of 2019, Hart also stated that Hex was built to outperform Ethereum and Bitcoin as well as all other cryptocurrencies. This suit charges Hart and the projects with fraud and securities registration violations. Now, uh, let's just kick it over to Mario. I have so much I want to say, but I don't want to steal your opinion. What really crosses your mind when he's stating that his project is going to outperform Ethereum? Do you consider that lying to investors? Is that uh, optimistic thinking? What do you think is really going on here with Richard Hart? Yeah, well, from from what I've seen from Richard Hart or from what I've heard from Richard Hart, he's... He's very arrogant in a way like he, he I, I'm sure he means what he's saying, but he just comes across as very arrogant. And I think that 
Um, I think that as well, he's he's a smart guy. And so I don't think he's been doing all this thing, all these things and not realize that he was actually putting a target on his back. I think he does realize it. Um, I don't think the SEC is going to stop anyway. Um, at least not un- not until Congress comes out and definitively definitively says something about crypto or points uh, regulation in a certain direction. Even though we've got this ruling out of out of XRP, we've heard Gensler. He's not taking it for an answer, and so he's going to continue going after other projects. And he decided to go after Richard Hart. Am I surprised? I'm not surprised. I think Richard Hart kind of called it upon himself. Um, again, he comes across as very arrogant. Um, but I do want to say that I think he's a very smart guy. So if he's been doing, you know, unlawful things with investor funds, I'd be a little surprised because I would expect him to be a little smarter than that. And guys, this is not a video of BitBoy Crypto walking out of the Gucci store. This is Ben Hart. Or sorry, this is Richard Hart, the founder of Hex. And this is the type of videos that I think people will get uh, upset with because it's definitely arrogant. He goes into these stores, he purchases all these clothes, and he puts it online to be viewed as a, like a public figure, I guess, Johnny. But I don't think that's reason to be sued by the SEC. I think the problem here is he's not using his own money. So what do you think? Is the SEC, do they have ground to stand on here? Well, first of all, let, let's just, let's, let me clarify something, okay? Being arrogant is not a crime. It certainly sounds like that's what he's being. There's no doubt he's probably the most arrogant guy I've ever seen. But on the other side, he certainly has come out and been very clear about He's right. He has saved people. He has mentioned certain things. He has done good things, I think, on the other side to counterbalance it in his mind. And he probably feels like, you know, hey, I've done, like he said, the SEC has done more to protect people than they have. Um, I do believe that he thinks he's creating a project for the betterment of people to be able to help people grow. Listen, if he did it in a way, I agree with Mario. He's a really, this guy's a really smart guy. He made a lot of money off bet, bet, investing off of Bitcoin early on. And yes, he definitely needs an assistant. But the reality is, if he did, let's just say for a second, that he did use investor money to buy personal shit, which by the way, probably almost all the, well, I'm not going to go there. Let me well, actually, actually, just, wait, Johnny, this is a new detail because it goes right into what you're saying. So they're accusing him of using $12 million of investor funds. That's the actual number. Okay. So, okay, that's good to know. So the question now goes to, like, when you look at campaign funds for congressmen, right, there's always this fine line of what's personal versus what's, you know, being spent on campaign things. So if you think of it that perspective, when you have a, a business, you are able to spend certain things. Now, buying stuff from Gucci store is not going to be really business related, right? If he took that kind of money and spent it there, then he's going to have a problem. But I got to imagine, like Mario said, he's a really smart guy. He's pretty sharp. I can't imagine he took $12 million of investor funds and did that. But if he did, he's going to have a problem and he's going to have to face up to that. No question about it. Um, and, and they're going to get him. So, you know, it's just a lesson to everybody that if you're going to go and do things, just do things by the book. Don't put yourself in a position to get caught out like that because now they're going to take down a guy that I think really wanted to help a community who wanted to help an industry. And now he's going to be stuck fighting the SEC for who knows how long and how long they're going to tie him up and how much you're going to cost them. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where somebody said it, you're better off to fly under the radar than, you know, be doing stuff like that. It's going to get you snagged. That is a note from Japanese culture. The nail that sticks out gets the hammer, right, guys? And that's what happened to Richard Hart right here. But, Jenna, I know you had some additional thoughts. Floor is yours. 
It was funny because there was a picture, like the video that you were just showing, and attorney Jeremy was like, this is a defense attorney's worst nightmare, <laughs> like this guy. But, you know, and this is probably where he made a huge mistake is he should have consulted an attorney, which I don't think he did because he's very um, egotistical and thinks that he knows everything. Um, and they would have told him, you can't say these things. You can't make these promises that your cryptocurrency will do this. It will do that. You absolutely cannot make those promises. So in you know doing that, he was absolutely wrong with that. Absolutely, guys. And I want to remind our listeners tomorrow, the XDC price is pumping right now. And fortunately enough, we got Quincy Jones coming on the show tomorrow. So that's going to be a great episode involving XDC and XRP. But here's a response to Richard Hart telling the SEC they have absolutely no right to sue anybody doing what he's doing. How will Pulse Chain and PulseX go with global regulation with the SEC? <sighs> God. Hey, man, did you know the SEC said that EOS was an unregistered security? And did you know that EOS settled with the SEC for $27 million and got an exemption from the SEC to continue doing business. I like it when I hear people say things like SEC is going to lock people up. The SEC is not a criminal enforcement agency and cannot lock you up and does not have agents to kick in your door and lock you up. They are not the Department of Justice. The most they can do is file civil lawsuits and or refer things to the Department of Justice so that they can do their job. Did not mean to play the end of that video, guys. I'm not sure what that is. But I did think he made a great point at the beginning of this thing. People often forget that the SEC has no right to lock people up or put people in jail. They just go after these paychecks and they can defer to the Department of Justice if anybody really broke the law here, Johnny. But I do just want to get some closing remarks. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think the SEC is just going to get a 50, I guess, say $50 million dollar check out of the hex founder and then move on to the next token or what do you think yeah pretty much i mean they'll drag him through the mud a bit you know they'll embarrass him and if he spent up personal money and that kind of they'll make him out to be a bad guy and he'll pay a big chunk of money and then he'll bash them when it's over and continue to go along his his way uh but i think ultimately that's what you're going to see happening here in this particular instance uh seems to be the most logical outcome in this case. He'll probably pay a big, big FD fine. Like he said, and that's correct, the SEC is not a criminal authority. It is more of a civil authority. So they're going to come and sue you, take your money, but they're not going to put you in jail. That would have to go to a different place. And Johnny, we've often talked about the Fed now payments upgrade, changing payments in the United States. Well, this is an international ecosystem we're going to show our listeners right now. And we got 341 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And look at this latest update. Yesterday, we broke this down on the show. Novanti Payments is working to revolutionize digital finance by using crypto assets to, for speed and efficiency. Well, look at the think tank that's involved right here. We've got Google, we've got Apple, Visa, MasterCard, and only two crypto companies are on this list. That would be Ripple and Stellar. I'm going to play this video and go back to the group here. Here we go. This slide is one that we repeat and present fairly often, and uh, it just demonstrates the depth of the interconnected ecosystem that Novartis has built up over several years across technology, licenses, and partnerships. In my experience, that's highly unusual for a company of this size. We actually have relationships with many of the largest and systemically most important providers in the global payments industry. 
that's really hard to replicate and provides tailwinds to our ability to both uh, leverage and monetize our ecosystem in the mid to long term. Just as an example, we are one of a very small number, read single digit non-bank card issuers and acquirers in Australia. This slide is one that we repeat and present fairly often, and uh, it just demonstrates the depth of the interconnected ecosystem that Novartis has built up over several years. I love the terminology he used in that initial quote, Mario. He said the interconnected ecosystem Nimbadi has built up over several years. These are some of the partnerships that crypto companies can only dream of. Apple Pay, Samsung, Google, Visa. Does it mean anything to you that Ripple and Stellar are the only companies a part of this think tank and the fact that Novanti has been very outspoken about Ripple's technology? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there's anything is possible, right? And when we think about Ripple and what they're building, we think, um, you know, how can it go wrong? And so, but anything is possible. So anybody that's investing in XRP and Ripple, if we don't get it right, we really can't blame ourselves because there are so many good new uh, news and, and so many good partnerships happening in the world of Ripple and in, even in the world of, of Stellar. So I think Ripple continues to position themselves in the right places. They've proven that they've been able to open some doors my only question is, will they be able to open the really important doors, the doors that's going to get them to really be the key key to the infrastructure, right? Because we know that this is going to happen. We know that payments are going to get faster. Payments are going to improve. Um, the technology is going to evolve. But who's going to be chosen? We keep hoping it's Ripple because we see all these uh, key news and key partnerships and people are connecting the dots. There's Tremendous good researchers out there that keep pointing out these uh, these dots and keep connecting these dots. So I think Ripple is certainly the one that seems the most obvious. Again, my contrarian side, I, I always try to stay uh, leveled and I always have that in the back of my mind, the if, what if. And so that way I don't get caught by surprise. But I think um, the key is, will Ripple be able to open that final door? And that's what I'm really excited to find out. Johnny Crypto, I'm not sure how people aren't understanding the logic of Judge Torres here. As earlier this week, a federal judge rejected the quote-unquote hilarious illogic of the Ripple versus XRP ruling, and they actually stated that Judge Torres may have alleged that XRP was offered as a security. We already broke this down at the beginning of the episode. It can only be offered as a security under certain circumstances, whereas the token itself is not an unregistered security. Judge Torres said that while Ripple had violated securities law in selling XRP to institutions, retail investors could not have known they were purchasing XRP from Ripple because they bought the token on intermediary exchanges through Ripple's programmatic sales. In this order on Monday, Judge Rakoff out of uh, New York said that he rejected this approach. So, Johnny, is this conversation still ongoing? How are we seeing different judges not understand what's really going on here? Because that's how our world, that's how our, our court system works. Why do you think we have a Supreme Court? Because when the judges don't agree, you get two different agreeing, you go to the next level. That's why it is. That's why it's there. So, uh, no, I'm not surprised to see it at all. Everybody's going to have a different interpretation of how they, what they think a security is or isn't. Again, this goes back to what I said earlier. This has to do with how you pitch a project or how you pitch something. And, and you have to look at the facts of every case. They didn't pitch anything to retailers in this particular case. I'm telling you now, if they had pitched XRP to retailers in the same way they did it to investors back in 2012 or 13 or whatever they did it, 
it would have been deemed a security then too. This is not about, this is where people are getting confused. This isn't about a token. This is about the process and how you pitch something. And that's what people don't understand. That's the difference between who can make something a security or not a security. And so XRP can be a security if it's pitched along the rules of the Howey test. And if it meets all four of those parameters to a retailer, yes, it will be called a security. But it wasn't. That's not how they did it. The way you and I as retailers got our hands on XRP was through an exchange. And what the judge is saying in that particular case, when you and I and Jenna and everybody else in our chat went and bought XRP, we were buying it from Ripple. And Ripple didn't reach out to you, Abs, and say to you, hey, Abs, if you buy this XRP coin, you know, in a few years, we're going to do these things and it's going to go up more. Did that happen, Abs? Did you talk to Ripple? Did they tell you that? Was, all right. So so you see the, 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 the fine difference between it's just about how it's pitched. It's not about the actual token itself. So if other companies... And this is why you have some judges that maybe aren't happy with the ruling. It's because theoretically now any coin that's sold through an exchange could make the argument, as long as they didn't go out and pitch to the retailers, that, hey, we're going to do these efforts to do this thing. They can make the argument that we're not acting or selling this under, uh, under the way a security would be pitched. That's the difference. That's what you have to look for. But don't think that XRP isn't a security. Anything can be a security depending on how they pitch it. I hope that helps clarify. And I wish we had an attorney because I would love to just get a confirmation of that. But that's my interpretation of the Howey test and how the security laws are applied. And our poll just came in, Johnny Crypto. We got 196 live votes from our listeners. 62% believe that the SEC will not appeal this Ripple ruling, while 37% claim that they will. And this is a response that actually answers a lot of the questions that Johnny Crypto had. We continue to hear commenters saying that Judge Torres held that XRP is a security when sold to institutions and not a security when sold to retail. This is incorrect. Judge Torres told that XRP itself is not a security, but it can be sold as part of a security itself. XRP is simply computer code, a fungible commodity like gold or whiskey, both of which can be sold as part of an investment scheme to implicate securities law. That's what uh, Stuart Alderati's video was about yesterday, Johnny. He basically Bingo. responded to the SEC and said oranges can be securities under certain circumstances. I'm going to play a brief portion of this video now. What okay. do digital assets have to do with orange groves, barrels filled with whiskey, payphones? Who remembers those? And beavers? Well, it turns out a lot. None of those things, standing alone, are securities. But any one of them can be packaged into a contract for an investment that may be a security. Huh? Let me break this down a bit. The law lists a bunch of things that are securities. That list includes things you ordinarily think of, like a share of stock. Why is a share of stock always a security? If you own a share of stock in, let's say, Apple, Apple owes you a fiduciary duty, and you can hold Apple accountable if they don't fulfill those obligations. That's true no matter how you bought the stock or who sold it to you. But the law also includes something called an investment contract in the list of things considered a security. 
An investment contract is not like a traditional share of stock. And anyone who tells you that, well, let's just say they're trying to confuse you. Investment contracts are contracts that I sell to you with the promise that I'm going to take the money you gave me and do things to increase the value of your investment. I can take a bunch of orange groves and sell those to you. That's not an investment contract. Or I can sell you some of those orange groves as part of a larger set of promises to cultivate those groves, sell the oranges, and distribute the profits back to you. That's an investment contract. So, orange groves alone. There you have it, Johnny Crypto. And I just want to apply this to the hex ruling we're seeing today. Do you think that he qualifies as an unregistered security? Like we said, he told people his investment would be better than Ethereum. And he also said that his uh, X.com would be responsible for that growth. What are your thoughts? I mean, so, you know, so Stuart just literally, well, that video just literally, you know, I think supplements what I was saying where it can or can't be an X, even XRP can or can't be a security, depending on how, again, how you pitch it, how you present it, how you propose it. I don't know the details of what Richard did uh, when he was pushing out his project abs. But if he did what you just saw in the Orange Grove example, if he told investors that he was building something and they were buying it from him and that there was going to be an expectation or return on profit off of his efforts, you know, to cultivate it and build it, they were going to make more money. Then I'll tell you what, man, that sounds like the, the path of a security and he's going to have some trouble there. So I think it all depends on, you know, but is he an entity? And, and so maybe he is. So, yeah, but to me, yeah, I mean, it sounds like depending. So if he did those things and that's what's going to happen in the trial, they're going to go to court and they're going to lay out all the facts. And then it's OK. Did you do X? Did you do Y? Did you see there's four elements of the Howie test? OK, if he has all four of those, then, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get whacked as being a security. And then that's going to be you know, problematic for him and for Hex and for all the Hex holders. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how long it takes. Jenna, another narrative that's going on right now is that the SEC asked Coinbase to halt all trading on tokens except for Bitcoin, but they're yet to give their opinion on the market. So what do you think is really going on here? We're about to play a video of Jim Cramer saying that he's confused after the Ripple ruling. He can't seem to figure out the cryptocurrency market, but he's still going to give you financial advice. So I just want to get your thoughts. What do you think about the SEC allegedly telling Coinbase halt every crypto asset except for Bitcoin. They're trying to police everything. And no, I sure hope that Coinbase doesn't. I, I, they're just, it's just extreme overreach, 100%. And I mean, it's going to take a long time and a bunch of judges later before we figure out is a secondary sale. Like, you know what I mean? We have our XRP rolling, whatever, but I just, I just think they're trying to really, really, I, it's operation choke point. That's a hundred percent what it is. I mean, what, what else can it be, right? Operation Choke Point 2.0. And Gary Gensler is not happy. He can go off their exchanges now. We're going to show you a video of Jim Cramer explaining how he's confused about the crypto market, but he thinks better days might be on the way. Yeah, the chairman is obviously doing a lot of things right, but this, this decision by a federal court really did just make it so that he feels like, I feel like it's really the audio is a little bit difficult here, but what he's saying there, Johnny, is that Gary Gensler is confused about the ruling. Although Judge Torres may have gotten it right in some aspects, he thinks this debate's really just ongoing. So Mario, because we don't have the audio, I just want to ask you pretty blatantly, do you think that people are genuinely confused about the Ripple ruling or do they not like what they heard from Judge Torres? 
Well, I mean, anybody that's paid attention to what the attorneys have said, you know, people that actually understand the law, they shouldn't be confused. It was pretty clear that XRP is not a security in in the uh, programmatic uh, sales. And so the people that are confused are the people that are paying attention to Gary Gansler, the people that are paying attention to to our friend there on TV. You know, it's I think, as I said in the beginning, the SEC is going to continue to do its thing for as long as they are given that power. And for now, they, they still have that power because Congress has not come out and said the SEC cannot regulate crypto or the SEC cannot regulate uh, non-securities. And what are non-securities? Well, now we have a precedent. Now we have the Ripple uh, ruling with the SEC stating that XRP in those forms are not securities. So until Congress comes out, and I hope these this bill that's starting to, starting to uh, go through, I hope it does go through and I hope it is a beginning of a step in the right direction for, for the United States uh, regulation around crypto. And like I was saying, as long for as long as Congress doesn't step in and either appoint a different um, regulator, maybe the CFTC, or maybe just create a new group, a new entity that's going to regulate crypto, the SEC is going to continue to do its thing. Gary Gensler has shown that he's just another puppet he took the chair. He understands crypto better than most people, um, but yet he continues to go after all these crypto companies, exchanges, and he's not going to stop because, like I said, he's just he's doing the, the the job of a puppet. And Jenna, this is an article that really caught my attention about how the SEC is regulating uh, crypto inside of America. FTX plans to restart crypto exchange for international customers. A proposed reorganization plan provides a path for a specific class of debtors to pool assets together and create an offshore exchange. Because we're short on time, I'm going to go through the highlights here. The bankruptcy administrators have filed a proposed plan that would see a possible restart of FTX.com. This is not a meme, guys. This is real. The rebooted exchange would only be available for offshore customers, and FTT token holders would get nothing in return under this new plan. So, Jenna, I'm just going to give you the open floor because if they're allowing Sam Bankman-Fried to come back and start operating this company at least go through a rebranding process. Don't come out as FTX, come out as XTF. You know what I mean? Just reverse it, figure something out, get a new marketing campaign going because I don't see why a single customer would upload their assets onto these exchanges, especially after the bald rug pull this weekend. SBF has stolen people's money two times publicly, not once, not, not I mean, sorry, not once, but twice. And it's like George Bush said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Jenna, the floor is yours. Well, abs. I well, I agree with you with that, but I don't think XBF is going to have anything to do with running this exchange. I don't think he can. I mean, he had he, that just wouldn't even make sense. I think he's looking at um, you know, once everything's said and done, plenty of jail time, and I'm sure he'll cut a deal. He won't get the full amount or anything like that. But I would stay far away from this shit. You know what? Right, fool me once, you know, fool me twice. There is no way in hell, but to not give the FTT holders who have lost billions of dollars anything and just like sorry about your luck that is completely disgusting in my opinion so you know i would want absolutely nothing to do with this exchange i do agree with jenna johnny that we're not going to see sam bagman fried really involved in this firm what, did, what really caught my attention is they're not paying any ftt claims back that's a couple billion dollars i don't have the exact number here we are talking about two three four billion dollars in customer funds that they're just going to consider lost but like we just said the sec is yeah. They're going after Richard Hart for $12 million, but Sam Bankman-Fried can steal $2 billion. Maybe connect the dots for me here. What am I missing? No, you're missing that it's not what you know. It's who you know. 
it's the buddy buddy club. Obviously, there's something going on there. I mean, the sad part of reality is you're going to bring back this exchange, which you know robbed a bunch of people. It was complete. It was complete and utter um, fraud, right? And to bring it back is just an insult. Number one to the industry. It's a black eye for the industry, and it's going to be a laughing stock for the industry. They be oh look at this thing. You know, they come in here, they defraud it. And then they bring it back to do it again. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Not saying it's going to happen again, but it's just like you should totally rebrand it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you're right. It's only going to be, it sounds like, international. And three, abs, they're only bringing it back for one reason. They don't care about any of the investors, and they're all going to get screwed. It's basically to go and help the debtors try to get their money back again. So, you know, that's why it's happening, if you want to really know, you from what it sounds like what's happening here. So, to me, you know, it's a complete like slap in the face uh, to all the investors or to the crypto industry as a whole. Meanwhile, it gives you know the, the big people money a chance to get their money back out of it again. You know the people who are the, the debtors. So very very sad. But you know what? Here's the interesting. You guys said uh, you know you were like I don't know how anybody put their money into it. Abs, there's going to be a bunch of new people coming into the space. We know that already. And when these new people come in, some will do the research, but 98% won't. They ain't going to go back and look and see what the history of FTX was. And yes, they absolutely will use it. Because FTX is going to come out. They're going to brand out it's safe and this and that. They're going to have a bunch of good messaging. And people are going to just start using it because they're not going to know because they're ignorant to it because they're new to the industry. Johnny, there's two topics I want to get through before the end of the show. So give me 30-second comments on both of these articles. Blockchain's communication and ordering Japan patent 727-3053 just gave Quant a free pass for tokenized assets in Japan. Not only are they ISO compliant, they also are internet standard compliant and time standard compliant. That means they can make instant payments with tokenized assets using the Quant blockchain. And they can even connect what currently exists in our banking system to Quant's blockchain today. Japan, more adoption, more big news. Really briefly, what's this mean to you? Yeah, that's a big, you know, I mean, I don't, I'd have to read the patent to see exactly what claims were granted. But nonetheless, you know, and that's where you got to be careful because a lot of these people write articles and they don't read the claim and they don't actually know what the patent really gives access to. So until you read the claim, I'm not going to sit here and comment uh, into too much detail other than saying that if it truly is what he said it is, then that's big for them. And that would mean a lot of other industries would have a hard time playing in this space. And that's why I would imagine it's not as um, promising as it sounds. And this is the last article I'd like to cover. Four executives behind the biggest stablecoin in the world are reportedly worth over $1 billion each right now. So the question I have for you, Johnny, we often call USDT a stablecoin. Is this an unregistered security now that it's creating billionaires for the founders? Well, no, because, again, I'm not an attorney, but the stablecoin can't go up in value. And one of the four elements is that it has to be able to create a higher return. If you and I buy it, right? And if I buy a stable coin, if I buy UST at one USDT at one dollar, well, three years from now, guess what price is going to be? It's still going to be one dollar. So no, I don't think it meets the Howey test. However, is there some other activity that maybe should be questioned behind the scenes about whether you know they're leveraging abs? You say this many times. I know we have a lot of time, but I'm going to try to get in quick. You always talk about how they're stealing the halo effect of the US dollar, and they're using that. To say, hey, look at we're stable. Um, now, I guess if they pack the thing with 99% of US dollars, you could probably get away with that, but I don't think they're doing it. 
So long story short, it is not an unregistered security because it doesn't, it doesn't qualify all four prongs of the Howie test. And we got 343 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And tomorrow, we will have Quincy Jones joining the show. So that's going to be an XRP and XDC episode specifically on how they may change the world. But I want to say thank you to Jenna. Thank you to Mario. And thank you to Johnny Crypto. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Airtime.